You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Sex. It's a game. An irresistible game. A dangerous game. And it can also be a great source of joy. Which is it for you? Hey, hello, storytellers, and welcome once again to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I'm excited to announce that our sponsor is Audible. They are offering you, our listeners, a free download of one of your favorite audio books. You get to choose from 180,000 titles, and you also get a one-month free trial of Audible's entire service. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. For your convenience, you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio, as well as the website ChangeYourStoryPodcast.com. Because the theme of the show is Change Your Story, Change Your Life, I've created a free gift for you, my listeners. It is an ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life in Business. You can download it immediately at www.changeyourstorypodcast.com. One of the most rewarding things in this podcast for me is my ongoing dialogue with you, my storytellers, my listeners. Let's continue that dialogue. Keep sending your comments about what you're getting from the show and what you'd like to see in it going forward. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. I promise to read every message I receive and to choose some of them to share with you on the show. Today's guest understands a few things about the game of sex. In fact, he's the mastermind who inspired the pickup artist movement that many people have read about in the book entitled The Game. Tom Cruise played a character based on today's guest in the movie Magnolia. I'm excited to invite for the second time Ross Jeffries to our show. Ross, thank you and welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. It's my pleasure. You know, I have a big smile on my face because I'm remembering the first interview we did together and how much I enjoyed it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to address your audience. You're quite welcome. And I have a smile on my face because you're here a second time because the first one was so much fun. Uh, so yes. so let's, uh, let's start rocking the boat here. Yeah. Question one. Does a man have to be GQ handsome to attract <laughs> to, 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 to attract a woman that most people would agree is a beautiful woman? Oh, no, God. If you looked at my face, the first thing you'd say if you looked at my face is welcome to Jurassic Park because I'm older than a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm older than a dinosaur and uglier than sin. No, <laughs> no certainly not. Here's what you need to understand. Two things. First of all, while women do respond to a man's looks, what women find attractive physically is much more, has much more variation from individual to individual than what men find attractive in women. So that's the first thing. But even there, there's some variation. Second, here's the big key to understand. If you've been worried about your looks and how they impact women up until now, I'll give you uh, the big key, which is women look at us through the feelings and emotions they have 
for us, generally speaking. Now, we've all seen the situation of very beautiful women walking down the street with a very disheveled, ugly-looking dude who looks like the hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, you could speculate that he has a lot of money, but I have clientele, and by the way, I cater now to a very exclusive high-end clientele. I used to own, I used to work with everyone, but my time is now so in demand, I don't do it anymore. I have my clientele who make a lot of money. They're very successful in their professional lives, but they can't get this area of life figured out, and they're still not doing well with women. So, yes, being good-looking can help. Whatever good-looking means, though, varies from women to women, and it really varies if you can get her look at you through a certain set of emotions and emotional states. Beautiful answer. And um, hopefully we're going to delve into some of uh, those filters that um, men should understand better. Now, what would you say is society's dominant story that men buy into that stops them from approaching women that they consider gorgeous? Yeah, this is really going to anger and upset many of the men who are listening to this, but it's not, not my job to sugarcoat. It's my job to reveal the, the truth. Let's, up, let's upset them, man. Let's upset okay. them. <laughs> so you asked, what are, the, what are the myths that get in the way, the stories that get in the way of their approaching women, approaching beautiful women? Well, the first thing is the idea that if a woman is super attractive, she already has someone. You would be shocked at the number of super attractive women when they find out what I do, said to me, please, please, can you teach me how to do that? Or no one ever approaches me, Never, no one ever talks to me. What guys don't get are, is that beautiful women are either, men are either intimidated to talk to them or men use the same approach, which is you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful. So if you got a little bit more balls, beitzim, <laughs> chutzpah, than the average guy, and you don't become a beauty chaser, you don't fall over backwards based on her looks, then you can begin to get somewhere. So the myth that you have to be good looking yourself or the myth that the beautiful woman is always occupied with another guy. And finally, the idea that she's going to be mean or cruel to you. I say to my guys, 99% of the time, the worst thing that's going to happen is nothing. She'll just ignore your... Ignore your your extension of your friendliness. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. You know, um, well, we're going to come back to this, I'm sure. G give us uh, some historical examples of men who were considered ugly, who consistently seduced beautiful women. Voltaire. Voltaire, the, you know who Voltaire was? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, French philosopher, right. French philosopher and comic playwright. I think he lived, he was a contemporary of Benjamin Franklin's, I believe. Voltaire inspired me when I was young and, at least in my own eyes, very ugly. Voltaire said something beautiful. He said, give me 10 minutes to talk away my ugly face and I will bed the Queen of France. <laughs> mm hmm <laughs> There you go. And I believe Benjamin Franklin, all the way into his 80s, was quite the stick man. Uh, <laughs> 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 Einstein, Einstein apparently was quite the stick man, but Einstein was very famous, and so he used his fame. Right, uh, right. I, I don't think he was uh, doing that well when he was just a Swiss patent clerk. Oh, no, 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 my cat wants attention right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, that might happen on my end as well. We'll deal with it. Now, you said something before that triggered me. I loved it about men not falling into um, being basically uh, slaves to beauty. Now, when a guy who doesn't consider himself good looking talks to a woman that he sees as beautiful, what are the traps? for him to start looking like a jerk in her eyes. Well, it's not about looking like a jerk. It's about not being able to contact. The, I don't think there's uh, anyone who is a thing called a jerk. It's not about being seen as a jerk. It is about being able to access the right states of confidence in himself. But let me, let me say this. For most men with beautiful women, 
it's not so much a confidence issue as it is neurological overload. If your zipper is on fire and you're melting with lust, no wonder you can't come up with the right words to say. So learning to control your physical state and ground into your feet and breathe from the belly and take all that sexual energy and dampen it down so your brain actually works and your mouth can say something is a big part of it, a big part of it. So I don't think it's about, you know, here's the really interesting I've observed, thing I've observed. Men are labeled as jerks or creeps, but I think that makes a, what makes a guy creepy is he doesn't know how to handle his own sexual energy. It either floods out of him like a horny pervert exposing himself at a schoolyard, or he freezes it, he's frozen. He, it locks into his muscles. So in between being frozen on the one hand, you see, and flooding yourself with all that sexual energy and flooding her with it, there's the path of the sexually balanced man, the man who can carry his sexuality forward without freezing it and without flooding the woman with it. That's the guy who's super, super attractive. And I can teach men to do this. So if that's a message that appeals to you, you better get in touch with me. I like that. That's really cool. Now, what are the main subliminal messages that men communicate that push women away? Well, again, having that, I hate to use the word energy in this form because I'm very scientific thinking and energy has a precise definition in physics. But it's having the wrong vibe, the wrong energy. I teach that there are four vibes that attract women. One of those vibes is being a leader. Women want leadership. The second one is being playful and fun. Doesn't mean being a, a comedian necessarily, necessarily. The third one is demonstrating deep curiosity, deep insight into her. Every woman wants to feel like, in your eyes, she's a unique woman. So it's creating that. And the final one is being vulnerable without being needy. By vulnerable, Here's what I mean. By vulnerable, I mean you express whatever is on your mind. If you're angry, be angry without being cruel. If you're sad, be sad without being weepy. <laughs> See, it's all striking a balance. If, you, if you're loving, if you feel like you love her, then express your love without being clingy. So again, it's all about this philosophy of the middle way, walking that Tao of the middle way to seduce women. It's a continual theme as you work with me that you'll come to. We'll revisit over and over and over. You know, that's a great answer that really sheds light on um, the attractors. But could you name maybe just one powerful subliminal message that guys don't even realize they're sending that will push a woman away? I love that. The, the, <laughs> the attractors Doors. Are you saying the attract doors? D O O R S. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which one were you saying? Because that's a beautiful fanatic, fanatic ambiguity. Uh, well, well, I, I was referring to I was referring to the um, the qualities that you were just describing. But I heard attract doors. How do you open those doors of attraction? Oh, attract doors. <laughs> I see. Doors I, oh, deal. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I'm going to make that the title of the talk I'm going to give. Okay. Supplemental stuff. One thing could be just your body language. Your body language. I, I took one student out to the field. It's a VIB client. He paid me quite a handsome sum. And I noticed the first thing I noticed is his facial expression looked like he was ready to flinch from a punch. <laughs> I'm not joking. I fixed it in one session, and every result changed for it. But <laughs> I know this is funny, but he had that expression as if he were about to be slapped at the face, in the face at every moment. He was like rocking back on his heels. You can't sell when you're on your, you can't sell from your heels and you can't approach or seduce from your heels. You know what I mean by being on your heels? Like oh, yeah. Up and take a step back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Subconsciously yeah. convey that they're expecting rejection. You know, uh, what's facial expression. What's one? Go ahead. And I don't know if it's subliminal, but it's nonverbal. It's it, it's it is their tone of voice. See, 
Do you think I have a nice voice, a good tone of voice? Yeah, very much. Well, when I talk to women for the first time, I drop it and I'll, I'll drop this voice to hear. So when I say, excuse me, I'll say, excuse me. And no, I've never been disrespected. I've never had a woman give me a nasty look. When I talk in that tonality, so one of the things that I train my clients to do is speak in the right tonality. So they instantly command a woman's respect. You may not get her attracted to you, but she will never disrespect you when you talk in the right tonality. Never. Because we're hardwired to respond to a certain tone of voice. When a cop tells you to step out of the car, he doesn't say, step out of the car, please. <laughs> I love that. Now, uh, how could you help Mike Tyson? I wouldn't get near Mike Tyson with a, with 10 bodyguards in a tank. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, we know the irony about him is that his voice is 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 high and teeny like a like a kid and well but mike tyson is also terrifying in every aspect mike tyson we need a professional voice coach there's some people that even <laughs> have, mike tyson, that's part of his trademark it's part of his brand i don't think he would want to change it the incongruity of mike tyson is part of what makes people want to look at him the train wreck how can you look away well, you know what? I don't know if you've seen a couple of films on him in the past few years, but I've gained a tremendous amount of respect for the guy. I mean, yeah, he's terrifying, uh, and he's done some pretty awful things, but right. I tell you, there's a lot going on there, and there's an intelligence that a lot of people have, sure. never, have never seen before. And uh, sure. I actually uh, saw, yeah, anyway, that's a whole other subject. Yeah. Um well, I love the fact that you started talking about body language because that was one of my my questions. And are there any other body language messages that guys send out that will immediately start to repel a woman? Maybe even just repel <laughs> people. Yeah, <laughs> you're being coming out. Well, they're not. You're making men sound like um, roaches or, or pests. Well, one of the things I do when I first talk to a woman is I don't, as far as possible, I try not to approach head on. When you approach face to face, head on at a direct angle, it's subliminally, subconsciously viewed as a threat. So I always try to approach or stand at a 45 degree angle whenever possible or side by side because that's not a threat. And you also want to keep your distance. You know, Bruce Lee taught there are different ranges. There's kicking range, punching range. There's the elbow range. There's elbow range, headbutt range. And then finally, there's grappling range. And I hate to use a martial arts metaphor, but you want to give her plenty of room. You want to give her enough room so that you, you could not extend your arm and touch her. So these are some of the other mistakes that guys make. They're pretty basic as I observe it. And because they're basic, they're pretty easily correctable. What's, you, what's, yeah, go ahead. You know what? I mean, it's great. You, you, you just said they're basic, and yet these are things that most people don't really think about. I mean, exactly. uh, it, it's, 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 it's very insightful. I mean, I once uh, brilliantly tried the uh, approach of walking backwards towards a woman. Then when I turned around, she was gone. <laughs> No, <laughs> dude, you need some help. <laughs> I love you, man. I love coming on your show. I would love to come on your show once a week if I could, but you need a little assistance. I think you're married, though, aren't you? I'm not married, bro. I never got married. And by the way, that was a joke about walking backwards. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Um, uh, I just want to. By the way, I yeah. say, this is one of the key mistakes men make with women is they try to demonstrate that they're fun and playful by being a clown. By constantly, you don't want to be a joke machine. If you're a joke machine, you wind up being the party clown that she goes home and gets it on with someone who knows how to be a leader and, and sometimes be a caveman. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Um, just for a note for my storytellers, you're going to be hearing stuff here that, you know, might... Press some buttons. I hope they I hope actually. So. I hope so too. And for instance, we're going to be using the word seduction a lot. And if anybody has a problem with that, think about it. Seduction is a game. It's real, and it's going on all the time. And 
I would argue that seduction doesn't have to involve sex. It can involve trying to influence and win someone over to a point of view. And it's just part of human interaction. So, um, yeah. Now, what's this self-talk of a man who just does not attract women? What could be typical things that go on in that person's head daily? Sure. Uh, Why can't I get a girlfriend? Why can't I get the nines and tens? Why do I always keep screwing up? So it's that despairing language or it's the uh, resentful language. Like, I, this isn't fair. Um, I, that guy has a girlfriend. I should be able to have a girlfriend or, or damn it. Uh, if I were rich, if I were language, if I were rich, if I were good looking, it'd be easier. It's resentment language and despair language. So, you know, resentment and despair are two. Uh, res- resentment Despair and entitlement, the idea that the world owes you a girlfriend (laughs) or success in anything for that matter. So resentment, despair, envy, this is the kind of stuff that's going to get in anybody's way. And never statements, I can never succeed. You know, it it begs the question, Lewis, Mm -hmm. in this area of life that can be so difficult and painful, how do you stop looking at your new opportunities through the pain of your past? And this is, having, this is where having an expert coach and guide can be your your step to totally changing everything around. Because if you haven't gotten this area of life figured out, chances are you're not going to figure it out on your own. That's If you could have, you would have done so already. You know, the things that you just mentioned about the self-talk I love because every one of them that you mentioned with each one that you, each statement you make, you're giving power away. You're just giving power away. Right. And by the end of it, if you continue that, you've got to feel awful at the end of the day. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, how helpless can you make yourself? That's, right. that's, that's fascinating. Right. Well, it's, uh, it's very, listen, as I said, it's despair. Like, well, I'll never be able to do this. Why can't I do this? It's so that language blinds you to the skills and opportunities that you might be able to tap into, including skills inside yourself. It's despair. It's resentment. Like It's not fair. If I were rich and handsome, it's so it starts with if I were. It's resentment. It's envy. Like, what's that guy got that I don't got? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and in, inside of resentment is the implication of entitlement. I'm entitled to success. And by the way, women have a point. The women's movement or whoever it is have a point that if you think you're entitled to a woman's body, then you're more likely to engage in violative behaviors that I do not advocate. Mm. So violation and seduction are not the same thing at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Because with seduction, you're basically exercising your, your power in a way that makes the person comfortable enough to willingly want to be with you. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you made made me think of a story here while you were talking about self-talk and uh, images that men have of themselves. I think you'll appreciate this one. In my career as an actor, I worked a few years ago with a wonderful actor here in Canada who's a stand-up comic. And and the man is obese. But I'm not just talking heavy. He is obese. He has his own zip code. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and what's fascinating is that he was completely comfortable with the way he looks. And he, he was not a guy who was looking to lose weight. Not yeah. only that, I began to spend some time with him. And here's what I noticed. He was surrounded by gorgeous women. And recently, when I checked him up on Facebook... He married what we would all consider a perfect 10. So there you go. And he's still obese. So there you go. Because he has self-acceptance. Totally. Self-acceptance is a subtle kind of confidence. It's Mm -hmm. not. But he also probably has charisma. He's also probably, and you don't need this, but he's probably the kind of guy who can light up a room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so charisma is attractive. I'm pretty charismatic when I can shift into it. Oh, you are. And you know what? You keep saying that you're ugly, man. I don't agree with you. 
Oh, I know. That's my shtick. Oh, okay. My shtick. But I uh, used to be, uh, for those guys out there who uh, I want to say, I used to be, and my, I think it wasn't just a whim on my part. I, I was, I'm six foot two and I weighed 127 pounds in college. And I look like a skeleton. I actually had a woman come up to me and say, I would like to draw you naked. And I, first I thought I meant, she meant she wants to be naked. And, <laughs> and I said, huh, what? And she said, no, no, I want to draw you naked. Uh, I'm taking an anatomy class and I can see all your veins. I can see all your bones. It's, it would be like drawing a skeleton. And so <laughs> it, those years were filled with shame. And also existentially, I understood the shame of being the only one showing up at a party or a family gathering without a partner. So that shame was a huge part, as opposed to accepting yourself. I have a student. He happens to be a public speaker. He has no arms and no legs. And when he first wheeled himself into my seminar and sat in the front row, I didn't know what to think. But after like 10 minutes, 20 minutes of looking at him, he so radiates self-acceptance and self-confidence that I didn't even notice. I was utterly comfortable with him. Well, you know, you just made me think of uh, uh, the most wonderful character in Game of Thrones, Tyrion Lannister. The yeah. Dwar the dwarf. I mean, he, he, Yeah. What's his name? Peter Dinkle. P P uh, no, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. Dinkle. <laughs> <laughs> See, look at that sizeism I'm exercising just uh, unconsciously. Yeah, yeah, he's very, he's got, but he's got a great voice. Uh, oh. And I think that's it. If he talked like a normal, we don't say little, we say little person. If he talked like a little person usually talks, then he probably, no way he would be perceived as attractive. He's got that resonant, beautiful, big person voice. Well, he also, I mean, but the, the character is uh, the most astute, the, the, the wittiest, uh, and the most diplomatic of everybody in that show. Right. So everybody falls in love with him. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. as you were talking about being six foot two and like a skeleton, I said, well, you know, you uh, have something in common with uh, Howard Stern. Uh, Howard Stern is, is famous and wealthy, and Howard Stern, has an, Howard Stern creates an audience for himself. I, I, I am not worthy to be compared to Howard Stern. Howard Stern, I love Howard. I listen to him all the time. He is a once-in-a-lifetime talent that no one will duplicate, although they try to imitate. He's, he's, uh, Howard is a freak of talent. You know what? You got to take back what you just said, that you are not worthy. Otherwise, I'm going to end this podcast. <laughs> I, I, this is, I worship Howard Stern. I worship Howard Stern. Uh, no, he's one of my idols. That's right. Of okay. I'm, this is my way of being homage. Okay. <laughs> so what would you say are the biggest mistakes that guys make when approaching women for the first time? First of all, thinking that they have to win, that a win and that a win only constitutes getting that woman to go home with them or get the phone number. The second mistake they make is thinking that getting the phone number is the most important thing. Getting the phone number is a piece of behavior. Instead, what you want to do is think of what states of consciousness you want that woman to be in when you're, as you're leading her through the interaction. So they're thinking of pieces of behavior rather than creating fascination, attraction, etc. So if you're aiming your thinking about one the behavior rather than the states of consciousness, think in terms of the states of consciousness you want that woman to be in as she considers your proposal. Do you want her to be impatient, bored, irritated, or do you want to be her to be intrigued, curious, fascinated, feeling like she's being seen and heard? this is what you want to do and then the phone number becomes a detail you can just t I've had women who I've taken home after it was a flu it was not a flu it was a real unusual result but I had one woman who was getting off shift working in a grocery store she went home with me in 20 minutes and it was not a behavior she was used to doing so I think yeah that's what I have to say mm, mm, love it what are three qualities that any man can develop to attract any woman? The first quality I would say is having a vision for your life that has nothing to do with having female companionship. Having some kind of passion that 
has nothing to do with your life of, with women. Women are attracted to men who has passion and or excellence at something. This is something that's very attractive. Mm. Second, you're asking, did you ask about qualities? Is that mm -hmm. what you said? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the second one is not taking yourself seriously. You can be thorough, but without taking yourself seriously. So developing a sense of humor about yourself. And the third quality, I would say, is being insatiably curious about your world. I teach men that one of the attract doors, one of the doors of attraction, is <laughs> it's through being genuinely curious, curious about a woman's passions, curious about what gets her out of bed in the morning, curious about what she does that, that takes her beyond the sense of herself. Curiosity is, is that habit of curiosity about everything, not just women, but about what goes on in the world around you. I would even extend that to thinking for yourself instead of just swallowing whole what anyone else has to, has to say or think. You know, I love what you just said, and you reminded me uh, a couple of years ago, I started dating a woman, a very successful woman. I found her incredibly attractive. And uh, are you familiar with Bob Berg's book, uh, Endless Referrals? No, but it sounds like something I have to study. Well, it's beautiful because he talks about, he gives a list of magic questions, he calls them, that people should use when they go to a networking event, which is all of them show an interest and a curiosity in the person you're talking to as opposed to trying to pitch that person. So right. what, I, what I did on my first coffee date with her is I had that list in my head and I sat down and I, in a very natural way, started going through those questions. At one point, she stopped and she looked at me and she said, Lewis, I have never met a man who has taken such an interest in me like you are right now. And uh, yes, it did lead to an invitation to the bedroom. That's excellent. And may I say, you understand the subtleties of talking to someone without making it seem like it's a job interview. So, yeah. 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 So the problem is a guy has to be careful. Two things. If you, I say, if you can put it on a resume, a curriculum vitae, or a chart or a graph, you're talking about the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And about the wrong thing. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, I am an actor. And so if I have a script... One of the first things I do is make it my own. So when it comes out of my mouth, right. it's it's a conversation, man. It's not right. memorized because yeah, that would have been funny. She'd go, well, yeah, are and, you are you reading from a book? <laughs> and for many women, when you ask these kind of questions, you have to prime the pump. You have to if they don't, you have to give an example in your own life to make it okay for her to give an example in her own life. Ah. Does that, that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you very much for that. Okay, now, do you believe that society has given women an advantage over attracting men? Oh, dear. I think both genders have their challenges. I think certainly, in general, men have the higher sex drive because we have more testosterone. And in general, women have easier access to sex. That doesn't mean they have access to someone who's genuinely loving or someone who can give them good sex, which is one of the things I can train you to do very easily. So that's what I would say. I would say both genders have it difficult. And you could say, well, women, they, they trick men. They put on makeup and high heels and push-up bras, and they squeeze things where they need to be squeezed, and they enhance things where they need to be enhanced. That's true, but it's also expensive and a lot of work. Guys don't have to do a whole hell of a lot. Well, I like something that you said there. I'd love you to pursue it, that you said that women have easier access to sex. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, listen, let me put it bluntly. For most men, getting laid is a chore. For most women, getting laid is a choice. <laughs> you can take the most unattractive 
Oh God, I have to be really careful. You no, can, yeah, don't don't be careful. I mean, we're probably going to piss some people off. It's okay. You can take the most unattractive female troll, stick her in a skirt, put her, drop her down into any bar, and she's going to wind up going home with someone if she's mildly flirtatious. Mm. It's just the way it works. Now, again, that doesn't mean she's going to be with someone who satisfies her or she gets the pick of the litter. It, but it does mean if she doesn't want to, she won't go home alone. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, now, you, you touched on this one already, but what different stories do women tell with makeup and clothes? Cause the those stories th they're telling to whom? To themselves? No, to the world. Well, maybe to themselves first, but definitely to the world. You know... <laughs> I think what they're saying to the world is they're communicating. Look at me. I'm attractive. I am, I am fertile, even though they're way past their fertile years. They're just communicating that, that they're physically attractive. You, you know, what's interesting about that? Uh, I don't know. If I have, <laughs> there is an irony that sometimes a woman will really dress in a, a very attractive but extremely provocative way and then get upset at a guy who's, you know, gawking at her. But, but she, don't gawk. Don't gawk, right. But no, you, I'm on the woman's side here. In a sense, i got to be fair to the ladies. Don't gawk. You can observe without drooling or gawking. When you gawk, or you or you ogle, <laughs> or you leer, uh, I'm a pretty good ogler. I don't know. I'm not a very good leerer. <laughs> when you gawk, or you ogle, or you leer, what happens is it makes someone feel uncomfortable <laughs> and like a piece of meat. You can look and be appreciative without... <laughs> You know what? You're absolutely right. I used the wrong word, but do you I do you think or have you experienced that some women will put on consciously provocative yes. outfits and then get upset if a yes. guy is just looking? Yes. They want to feel like victims. There are women who like that. And more and more the social justice warrior movement is encouraged by <laughs> hate. If you're a social justice warrior and you're listening to this and I'm upsetting you, good, good, good. Your hate makes me stronger, babe. Your hate makes me stronger. <laughs> what seduction games are most women really good at? <laughs> they dress provocatively. They play coy. They test guys to see if the guy's going to give up on the first try. You know, yeah, again, you have to walk that line between giving up and running away or being pushy. It's that middle way. Mm -hmm. So if you can be a guy who doesn't insist but doesn't back down either, you're really attractive. <laughs> I love the way you said that. <laughs> what body language messages do women use consciously on men? Oh, this is not my ball of wax. I, I think they do a lot of uh, women will test to do. Uh, they do, if a woman is doing a lot of touching you, and you barely open your mouth, she wants to see if you're going to grab her back. Little. These are such immature games, but people play them. Both genders play them. I'm not one. Listen, I've been invited to speak at this big pickup artist conference. And a lot of these guys are involved in the red pill movement, which essentially postulates that women are morally inferior to men, that men are some morally superior species, and women are, are play games. Well, all gen both genders play games. It's part of human nature. It's part of the mating dance. So I'm not one to attribute moral inferiority or superiority to either gender. We all play this game. No, I, I totally agree with you. But listen, there are some games that a guy can't play just because of his wardrobe that a woman can. And I'm, I'm talking about specific body language messages that a woman will consciously use to 
attract? Uh, this is, uh, to be honest, this is not my field of study or my ball of wax. This is something a body language expert could do, like my niece. Uh, I'll give you her contact info off the air because I'm not going to plug anyone but myself. But my niece is a body language, body language expert. This is what she does. She does teaches corporations, and she does it for um, for in her courses for the public. But I'll I'll give you her name and information off the air. Well, actually, you have. I've, um, yeah. um, I've, I've been in communication right now. She's traveling, but we'll, we're yeah. probably going to hook up. She's on, in. She's, uh, on, she's on book tour, and by right. the way, hit number one in a, in one of the categories. She beat Tony Robbins on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. So good for my niece. Hey, uh, go ahead, plug her book. Plug her book. No, no, I'm not plugging anyone but myself. Ah! <laughs> All right, now. What negative story do some gorgeous women have that stops them from attracting men? I think they tell themselves stories like there are no good guys out there. I have female friends. Believe it or not, I have female friends who I love and adore. For whatever reason, there's no mutual attraction. And they tell me over and over, where have the good guys gone? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've, you're breeding them out of existence, honey. Because you don't appreciate them. So they tell themselves <laughs> stories like, I can't attract good guys. Or they tell themselves stories of impatience, like, this is too difficult. Or, or entitlement. Same stories. Uh, you know, I'm entitled to a good guy. But more importantly, the worst myth that they tell themselves that I'm even recognizing it is, why can't I find the right one? I had someone ask me that the other day, and I said, where did you get the idea that there is such a critter is the right one? I think a Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster is more likely to be that kind of creature. Where did you get the idea that there's a thing called a right one? Or a, <laughs> a soulmate? A soulmate? I don't recall Isaac Newton or Einstein talking about a soulmate. How do you know that that concept's even true? And so they swallow down these popular things that have been put in culture uh, that have been put in popular media, popular culture, they've never even ever been challenged. Mm. And other stories, like if a guy wants me, he should make the first move. I've told women who are complaining about need, not meeting a guy, I say, get off your ass, make the first move. So these kind of stories, he should make the first move. Why can't I find a good, where have all the good guys gone? <laughs> I can't find a good guy. Blah, 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 etc. And the guy should make the first move. This is the worst story possible. It's, it's a formula for passivity and despair and resentment. It's nonsense. Mm, great stuff. You know, I'm, um, I'm stubborn. I'm going to come back to this uh, body language thing, but I'm not going to ask you to answer it. I just want to give you an impression that I have. Uh, very often on Fox News... I'll see. Oh, no, no, no. Check this out. I, I will notice a specific staging on a panel show and it's deliberate and it's 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 got to be because it's 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 repeated. You will get two guys. And they'll always have two women who are perfect tens and they'll have them strategically sitting with their legs crossed so that you can see way up the thigh. and Well, I don't think that the Fox tabloid entertainment network, which is what I call it, is typical news. Of course, they're using, cheese, they're using cheesecake, uh, honey traps to get people to watch. Yes, that's true. But that's a, hype, that's a hyper situation. That's not a normal situation. But yeah, women can cross their legs in a way where they're opening... Uh, more leg to you, sure. That's self-evident. The self, yeah. Well, and it works. <laughs> it works. Now, historical examples of traditional, traditionally unattractive women who have attracted handsome men. Oh dear, this is not my again. This is not my field of study. I would. Uh, I think. Uh, what was her name? The artist, Frida, the one with the unibrow? Frida Kahlo, okay. Yeah, okay. I don't think she was peculiarly attractive, but she had a lot, lots of men around her. Yeah, she uh, did. Uh, yeah, she did. I don't know. Uh, 
uh, my honest answer is I don't know. This is not. I, I, I'm teaching men who. I'm teaching men to do this. Uh, I am not called to bring my ministry to the female gender, okay. but to the lost sheep, only to the lost sheep of the house of um, men. <laughs> you know, uh, when you mentioned Frida, I thought of the uh, the male counterpart, Picasso. I mean, he was, you know, uh, he was a fabulous. He was a fabulously talented passionate man who gave less than two toots and Hades for the women who were around him, I think. I don't know that. And yeah. who had a passion and a excellence, a, a genius. It's something that he loved more than he loved his women. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one you might tell me is not your domain, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> what subliminal signals do women communicate that ask men to seduce them. This I know. Ah. This I know from a friend. They'll do a very subtle lick lip. They very, very subtly lick their lips. It's a way of wetting the lips to make them look more moist and more attractive. Their pupils will dilate. They'll lean their body into you so their shoulder is touching your shoulder. This the long lasting. This, uh, this is very interesting. If you've ever noticed a woman who's getting more interested in you, her eyes move from side to side, like she's searching your face. Mm. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. uh, when you see that look, she's searching to see truth in you. That's a sign that she's really, really into you. Really into you. Mm. That's, that's a good one. You're listening, guys. Listen carefully. Now... What tactics do women have to test men? Oh, well, here's a good one. Uh, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, my, you know, my philosophy is never take a woman's first response as written in stone. It's almost always, almost always a response to what she's thinking or feeling or believing in that moment. So I hear things like I have a boyfriend. My response is a pattern interrupt. They're expecting a guy to either give up, argue, or attack the boyfriend. And I don't do any of those things. I break your pattern. My standard one that I love to go to is, well, boyfriends are like colds. You can, anyone can catch one at any time. doesn't mean you can't shake him off when you really want to. And then, <laughs> and then I change the subject to something else because I want that, you know. I love that. But, yeah, I know. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, Ross, what's the self-talk of a confident woman? The self-talk of a confident woman. Again, this is not my specialty, but I would say that her self-talk is, it's natural for men to be attracted to me. I have qualities that offer variety to men that they've never experienced before. I would say something that's natural for men to be attracted to me. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I would agree. You can feel that. You just can feel it in a person's energy. Right. Now, we're going to have some fun here. <laughs> What's the seductive appeal of eyeglasses? What? <laughs> yeah. Where the hell? Lewis, I love you, man. <laughs> You're my man. But where did you come up with that? I don't think eyeglasses are. Are no, attractive one way or the other. I would I would disagree with you. Listen, there, there's a whole genre in porn where that they'll deliberately that they no listen, man, where they create the seductive appeal of the librarian, uh, a ten wearing a woman wearing eyeglasses, and you know why I ask it because <laughs> I often find them an incredible turn on. Oh, that's you, my friend. Uh, uh, you know, for all I know, there's some guys who like goat porn. <laughs> not, no, no, not the same. Oh, dude, you just revealed something about your internet viewing habits. <laughs> oh, I have no problem with that, bro. I, I'd love to look. I mean, when I, I, I have a girlfriend, um, and when she wears her glasses 
I mean, she's appealing anyway, but when she wears her glasses, there's an additional turn on. Hey, I'll have to explore that. <laughs> okay, so you're not going to get into that one. Okay. <laughs> I'll, make, I'll make my girlfriend, who's bomb diggity, wear a pair of glasses. <laughs> so you, you, you touched on this before, but uh, what are non-physical qualities with enormous sex appeal besides the ones you've mentioned? Non-physical qualities. Uh, in, intelligence. Mm-hmm. Someone who is not book intelligent per se, but intelligence about people understanding the psychology of women, which again is one of the things I coach guys in, understanding the fundamental drivers of female psychology, and actually being able to understand women in a way that's predictable. One of my more outrageous and wild claims is that women, on one level, are chaotic and are unpredictable and are illogical. But on another level of understanding, they're quite logical, they're quite predictable, and they're fairly non-chaotic. It's just a completely different way. They're on a different operating system than we are. And if we try to understand them from our, from our operating system, from our inside our own skin, we're never going to get there. So being intelligent, having an understanding of female psychology, having a passion for something other than women and excelling at it, these are things that are attractive that have nothing to do with what you say. But, of course, I do emphasize a lot what you say because words structure consciousness. Listen to me now, folks in the audience. They shape decisions and they drive behavior. And that's whether you're doing sales or you're doing seduction, which are fundamentally the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually, what about? For, for, for women, qualities that they would have that are non-physical that make them incredibly, you know, sexy and, and attractive. I would say learning how to be attentive without being clingy, learning how to be curious without doing interrogation or making a man feeling it's in, feel it's an inquisition, knowing how to touch in a way that conveys love and attraction. Mm-hmm. These, these are things that are that are really, uh, really sexy. And uh, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> How has political correctness affected the attraction game oh, for both well, for men and women? For Jiminy Cricket's sake, you know, <laughs> the social justice warriors need to be sent over to ISIS for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that, that, that there are trigger words and safe zones and all this nonsense and that genders are identical in their psychology. I, I believe in equal protection under the law. I'm a firm believer in that. I don't care what your race is, your gender, your sexual orientation, your size, your religion. Uh, this is something I, I strongly believe. This is what makes America great, not our military interventionism or, or, our, or our silly or our holidays. It's, it's that equal protection on the law. Just because genders should have equal protection on the law and equal access to equal opportunity doesn't mean we're identical to each other in how we view our world, our sexuality, what we like and what we don't like. Refusal to look at empirical evidence, throwing away science and empiricism because you're afraid of offending people is nonsense. We ought to have equal protection under the law. That doesn't mean we're identical. Equal doesn't mean identical. Mm-hmm. This is a huge error. And, and what's really going on in the political correctness movement and social justice warriors is the appeal to people's desire to make other people wrong and the idea that if you have been offended, you're somehow entitled to reparations or to a higher status. So now we have a competition. Who is the most easily offended determines how much merit you have, which is really, this is a formula for the destruction of a society. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree, because what it does is it elevates uh, the victim. It makes the victim the role model to aspire to. Do you believe there's a sexual dynamic in every communication 
between men and women? Not, not, well, I think there could be a chemistry, but not necessarily a sexual dynamic. As I said, I have, I have three female friends who are very precious to me, but there's no real sexual dynamic between us. Maybe there's a tiny little bit of flirtation, an idea that if something could happen along the line, but not really. I don't see them as sexual creatures. I can even admire them for being beautiful, but I don't see that there's a sexual dynamic with myself and these three very, very precious ladies. I really love them, but they're not anyone I would consider as a potential sexual partner. I'm sure they feel the same about me. Only I have the skill to change that with two out of the three. <laughs> well, you know, I get what you're saying, but my contention is that I have people in my life like that, too. But that there's because we are who we are as animals on the planet, that that chemistry you're talking about adds a certain spark or to the, I would say, a healthy tension to the communication and that it has a sexual element to it. Even if, even if we know that person is a, um, a friend and I would never consider them as a sexual partner, there is still that awareness. I, I feel it in my body, and it for me, for, for me it, it enriches. Yeah, you're, right. you're right. I can have a female friend and admire her legs or her, her butt or, or, her, or whatever body parts happen to be most emergent. It doesn't necessarily mean that I attach to it a sexual agenda. So you're right. I, I, assume, I guess you're right. I'm sure my female friends are going to go, God, I love his voice. His shoulders are so broad. Mm, you know, mm. But this doesn't go any further than that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm thinking of a couple of women right now uh, who are very, very good friends of mine who are with men that they absolutely love. And, and I know the guys, and I, like, I love the guys, too. They're great people. I would never want to cross that line. And but when I'm with the woman, that energy is there, and I enjoy it. It's just part of the undercurrent, you know, the undercurrent of communication. And again, uh, I'm sure someone who's, sec who's uh, into political correctness would be upset by this, and thank you for being upset by it. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> so, any fun? Uh, by the way, uh, uh, let me just inject something. Oddly enough, it was a woman who taught me, my mother, who taught me to just speak your truth. And if it offends people, you're probably doing something right. Mm. The masses are asses. Mm. Very nice. And by the way, when we first started this interview, you were doubtful that we would get through all our questions. Well, listen, buddy, we have, and it's not even one hour. So any final thoughts that you want to, I know that you have something to offer people, but any final thoughts on this intriguing topic? I would say what's re what really works is counterintuitive, because what is intuitive has been warped by the programming of society and by our own bad habits and worst of all by looking at our opportunities through our potential through the pain of our past and that to get past this you're not going to do it on your own and it's not going to get better by itself and we don't want to rely on luck if you rely on luck that luck may never roll around <laughs> they say bad luck sooner or later runs out you want to sooner, you want to rely on that to get this area of your life handled. If you don't you know, want to rely on that, you better hire the best, and the best is me. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I love what you said, but you, you use language like counterintuitive, and that's great. I know what you mean intellectually, but for the purposes to, uh, to clarify for our storytellers, give an example or two of self being counterintuitive. I think it's counterintuitive to think, hey, rather than think of the behaviors I want women to give me, let's first state of, think of the states of consciousness and the flows of emotion I want her to be feeling in her body so she naturally gives me those behaviors. It's counterintuitive to say, hey, there's no such thing as a 9 or a 10. There's only the level of sexual excitement I feel in my body. So mm. learn to deal with that. 
these I notion it's counterintuitive to say that there's no such attraction doesn't exist except as a neurological response inside of the body of the woman who's experiencing it and, it, and it comes and it goes and it can vary over time. These are counterintuitive ways of looking at human beings. There's not the way we typically look at humans. We typically think attraction is either there or not. It's some mysterious thing, like Cupid shoots an arrow in your ass. And you can't, <laughs> That chemistry is something that's either there or it's not, which is a lie. It can be created. More importantly, it can be engineered and it can be shaped. Mm, uh, if I were to brand myself, I would call it attraction engineering. Because mm, that's mm. What it is. So all these things I'm saying are counterintuitive. We think in terms of dating. How can I get her to go out with me instead of, you know, how can I create the states of consciousness in her where she feels and she is experiencing attraction she's experiencing fascination she's experiencing wanting more from me how do we she's experiencing the state of arousal we don't instead we think of what to do when should i kiss her how do i get her back to my place and, and these have a level of power but it's when you go meta to that when you go above that it's it's the intuitive thing is to ask how can i have more confidence I turn around and say confidence is not a thing that you have. It is an activity that you do. See, and that's a totally counterintuitive way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. but, but here's where human beings make progress. Radical progress. It's where they break their old frame of looking at things. When we looked at the world as something that was flat, there was only so far we could go. It's intuitive it's, uh, to observe, back when we were trying to throw rocks at the moon, it's intuitive to observe the sun apparently rising and setting and to say, well, the sun goes around the earth. When in fact, once we were able to get the right frame of reference and observe what was actually going on, we saw it was the truth was counterintuitive. Beautiful. That is beautiful. And I know that you wanted to offer something to people. Yeah, here's the deal. I work with people who are already successful in their lives and who have a successful career and are thinking to themselves, I got this area of every other area of my life handled and figured out. Why isn't the same drive and intelligence working for me in this area of my life? So if you're that kind of guy, I want to suggest you check out my coaching program. It's a very, very good return on your investment. You can talk to me three times a month for for very, very reasonable fee. And if you don't like it, just quit at any time you want to. But you'll love it. And you'll be part of a very private, confidential community of guys who will help you along, along so you know you're not alone anymore. If you want to check that program out, it's rjcoaching.com. It's rjcoaching.com. That's the best way to begin to hire me to be on your side. You'll talk to me three times a month, plus you'll get access to 175 vi mini video seminars that I've created. That's the best way to do it. I don't offer things for free anymore because what happens is it devalues the contribution I have. Check out the coaching program. It's very reasonably priced, and it's a great investment. So rjcoaching.com. Beautiful. So, storytellers, you're hearing this from um, from Ross Jeffries, and um, he's a man who's earned the right to teach these things. So if you feel an impulse to um, develop in that area of your life, definitely take him up on his offer. And once again, Ross, I love spending time with you, man. I know we're going to do this again. Thanks for enriching our afternoon today, my friend. Hey, we can do one on politics. I'm ready to do that, too. <laughs> Believe me, I've got some interesting views there. You know what? That is a, top, a topic that um, I don't know if I want right. to introduce that one. In, but I know that there are. we can probably delve even more deeply into what we started today. All right. Great with me. I love talking to you. You're one of my favorite interviewers. Thank you, man. Thank you. Storytellers, thank you once again for spending time with us today. And 
I hope that you had as much fun as I did. Some of the things that Ross talked about, in fact, both of us, our conversation today, may have made you feel uncomfortable. And I suggest that that is a good thing, because I have found that the only way I can grow is to confront my discomfort and then move beyond it. Definitely pay this forward. Share this with people. Let them know that they can hear this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. And at that website, I have created a gift for you, a downloadable free ebook called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Also remember that our sponsor is Audible and that you get access to any downloadable free audiobook of your choice and you can choose from 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. I mentioned a book today. It is called Endless Referrals by Bob Berg. It is brilliant, inspiring, and it will change the way you look at communication and at networking. And if you begin to apply the lessons that Berg teaches and use the magic questions, you will explode your business. Regarding our topic of conversation today, I'm sure that there are areas, uncomfortable areas of your life, that we touched on, that you may want to address, maybe that you may even want to avoid. Of course, you can just jump right in and take advantage of Ross's coaching, or you can begin slowly by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.